You're listening to the pre-snap podcast presented by LineStar. Insight and analysis from the minds of fantasy football experts. Fantasy football advice and strategy from two of the top minds in the game. It's time to lock it in and win. Here are your hosts, Michael Rathburn and Joe Pizzapia. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joey P, Joe Pizzapia, and welcome to the pre-snap right here on the Line Star app. It's me, it's Michael Rathburn. We're breaking down week eight. We got four teams on a bye, but we never take a rest. No, we're here every damn week for you, breaking down the games, getting all your DFS information. We got a big show for you today. Uh, not only will we always break down all the games and how we see them going in terms of DFS, we'll get to all the player stuff later. Plus, we have an interview uh, here in the show today with uh, one of the foremost injury experts, Mr. David Chow, Dr. David Chow, I might add, who I'm sure most folks know from Twitter and his work uh, formerly with the Chargers. So uh, very exciting to have him on the show today. <laughs> Rath, how you feeling? Thursday Night Football is in the books. Deshaun Watson looks healthy. DeAndre Hopkins is a freak and Will Fuller is, uh, well, his knee might not be so good for a while. Yeah, that Will Fuller, uh, man, Will Fuller is just unfortunately a guy that just looks like he's not going to be able to stay healthy throughout his NFL career. Uh, tons of talent, but boy, he's certainly got the injury uh, injury tag, is our injury prone tag. Um, nah, man, just, um, you know, weather change here, trying not to get sick. And uh, looking back at last week, and look, it was, a, it was a rough week. It may have been one of the toughest weeks in DFS football that I can remember in some time. Uh, it's very hard when, you know, you're basically paying down at quarterback and that basically killed everybody. A um, couple of notes from last week. So one quarterback under 5,200 uh, hit, hit for value on DraftKings. There's a huge concentration of quarterbacks that were cheaply priced last week. Most of them didn't hit value. And it really put everybody in a tough spot. The biggest piece was the running backs. And so while a lot of them were not in the main slate for Sunday, uh, if you take the top 13 salary core, uh, running backs on DraftKings, four guys out of 13 hit for 20 points. And that's significantly less than what it would be on a normal week. So if you paid a bet running back, you probably hit some landmines. And, you know, between a quarterback and running back situation, it's tough. And then <clears throat> at the wide receiver spot, typically you're paying down in cash, talking about cash games. So seven out of the top eight price wide receivers last week hit the three X value or at least 20 points. So last week's way to win was paying up a receiver, avoiding landmines at running back. And they were everywhere. It was almost impossible to avoid that. And if you paid up a quarterback, you probably were, were okay. Um, defense is another thing. Look, um, paying up a defense last week, six out of the top eight hit for three X or more. Uh, only four out of the bottom 20 defenses hit value. So the strategy that everybody's been implementing this year is, is pay down a quarterback. That didn't work. Pay up at running back. That didn't work. Pay <laughs> down at defense. That didn't work. So my point being is don't kill yourself. If you didn't win cash games last week, because listen, it, it, it was avoiding landmines everywhere. And if you, it, you know, it begs the question. So there's two questions I'll throw out. One is the viability of cash games in NFL has been questioned going on like a year and a half. And I've been questioning it more and more. I used to play 80, 90% cash. Now it's like 50. And well, I've made that same change. So I've actually, it's funny you said that because 
this year I've played less cash than I ever have. Yep. In fact, I, I, there's been weeks where I just stayed away from it altogether for, I don't know, maybe it's just a feeling or maybe it just, you know, yeah. the way I, I see the game going, but it's funny that you said that too. So that's actually kind of reaffirming. And I, I, I certainly feel that way. I feel like yeah. right now cash games in NBA is a much better situation than the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. NFL has been very hard this year as far as cash games go. Um, and if you we hit, almost need tournament lineups in cash games, yeah, like. I, it begs like, the question. The other I think thing that's the strategy right now. I think that's that's the way you'd want to break it down. At least that's how I've been playing cash games, and that's, that's right. a better deal. Well, we talked we talked about the shift to head to head, and I've heard more and more guys mentioning that because of the variance that they want. They don't want to run into optimizers. They don't want to run into that that it, it's just very hard. So I can see why people are moving away from fifty fifties. And they're moving away from double ups. They're going ahead to heads. And the other question is, do you run more than one cash lineup right now? And that's always been hard. Like I've gone back and forth. I've been a one cash game lineup guy for a long time. But early on in my DFS career, I used to do two. And I always felt like I would win one, lose one and break even. And it never, it never worked out. Like I would always be frustrated. But boy, it's, yeah, man, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm throwing it out there. I'm not telling you what's the right strategy. It, I just, it got me wondering last week if it's time to go back to running, if I'm still going to play cash games, do I run two lineups and, you know. Yeah, well, it, I, I, think it, I think it certainly at this point bears consideration because of the style of the game that keeps evolving. It's a more explosive game with higher scoring. And I think, if we're talking about best practices in DFS four or five years ago, you know, it's a little bit different than where we are right now. And I think, you know, if you go back to 2015, the big DFS boom years, uh, I think that that the best practices would have stayed there. And I think what you've seen in the last couple of years is evolution of these explosive type yep. players coupled with the changes in the rules of the NFL where defense has really softened up quite a bit. Yeah. I just think it's much harder. I think those guys like Tariq Cohen and those guys like uh, Alvin Kamara are just blowing up games and yeah. stuff like that. And it's just changing the dynamic. Uh, but it's certainly a good conversation. And and the last thing you want to do too, I don't know how you feel about this, is when you think about that, Raph, and then you think about, well, okay, am I overreacting to just a bad week too? Yeah. Right? Of, 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 that, of, of best practices and are they best practices for a reason? I don't know. I, I think it's a bit of both. I think you can make the argument either way, but personally, I think I think it's more of the former, which is I think the game is evolving a little bit, and you've got to be proactive and not reactive if you want to make some money over here on the daily side. Okay, uh, let's talk about the, those that are available and not available on the slate uh, this week. We've got uh, main slate: Pats, Bills, Dolphins, Texans, Eagles, Jaguars, Saints, Vikings, Falcons, Cowboys, Chargers, Titans, all out because of either the buys or primetime or London. So lots of changes there. Um, and look, in terms of taking away fantasy players, uh, some of them hurt, you know, between the Thursday game, you know, you lose that Watson performance, which was huge. So that's out of the equation. And the London games are always tricky in that sense. So when you're looking at this, what are the big impacts in terms of position that you're breaking down? Quarterback again is impacted Brady Watson cousins breeze Wentz, Ryan rivers. So that's certainly impacted running back. Not so much. And I think we got a lot of value at running back this week. So um, yeah, there's certainly some big name guys that are not in the player pool, uh, Melvin Gordon, Elliot Ingram, Kamara, James white. 
but not as bad as it's been. Like last week was brutal. So I don't think running back is hurt as much. I think we're okay there. Uh, wide receiver, there's some top guys that are out. You know, Hopkins, Fuller last night. Um, Thielen, Diggs, Michael Thomas, Julian Edelman. But I don't think it's that bad. Uh, Thielen being out hurts because he's been a cash game lock. But um, otherwise, I think we're okay that. And then, you know, tight end, no Ertz, no Rudolph, Gronk, you know, Sunday, uh, Monday night slate, but could be injured anyway. But uh, I don't think it really matters on tight end. Uh, my point being is that we want to evaluate this every week. And I think outside of quarterback, we're okay with the omissions this week. And we're going to see a lot of points. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think quarterback is the one. And, and there's some opportunities too. You see a streaking Trubisky the last couple of weeks. Uh, by the way, too, going back to things we got right and wrong. Uh, I was certainly right about the Bears-Pats being a shootout. You certainly uh, nailed the Viking Jets, the Lions-Dolphins, Browns-Bucks, almost at the exact score. Very nice there, Mr. Rathburn. And also that Saints offense was held in check by the Ravens as well. So we did some good work last week despite you know it was a little a uh, little tough in some of the the easy matchups which should have been fish in a barrel for guys like Andy Dalton and stuff like that that just should have been right wasn't exactly the case but uh we have a great injury expert who's going to come on and talk about some of the other impacts not just of the players not on the slate because of buys and schedule but also uh the players that are actually out because of injury and that interview starts right now All right, I want to welcome our guest to the program today. He's one of the preeminent injury experts in terms of football and fantasy. You can follow him on Twitter at ProFootballDoc. You probably already have heard him on his own podcast and on SiriusXM Radio over the years. He's the one, the only, Dr. David Chow. David, thanks so much for joining us today on the show. Thanks for having me, Joe. We could probably spend hours and hours talking about injuries, but obviously one of the big ones we've got right now is Dalvin Cook, who's going to not be available until after the Week 10 bye. Should we be concerned about his ability this year to be effective at all and potentially 2019, too, with you know these injuries continuing to pile up for Cook? Yeah, well, I always say that I'm an injury expert, not a fantasy expert, so I can give you the injury take and and you can, uh, you and your listeners. Well, that sounds fair enough. Let's do that then. The, and, and so what I'm talking about is, you know, uh, since even in the preseason on my, my podcast and other writings, I've been saying uh, don't expect a lot out of Dalvin Cook this season. I mean, I would not, at least in the first half of the season. Now, there's no way I could know that he was going to injure a hamstring, but I can tell you that Adrian Peterson-type recovery from an ACL is not the norm. And there was no way Dalvin Cook was going to be 100% the first half of the season. And, of course, with this hamstring, and I've been saying for weeks that the hamstring that was first labeled a cramp, but was on the same side as the ACL. So it's not just the hamstring. It's really both on top of each other. So it's not exactly a shock to me that they're going to try again after the Week 10 bye uh, because they're, they're done with the yo-yo, right? They keep bringing him back, and he keeps having setbacks. At this point, they really want him to be good. So basically what you're saying is Adrian Peterson is the exception to the rule. Most guys, when they have an ACL, they end up having residual issues. So AP is more of the outlier, right? That is the outlier, but there are other outliers too. I mean, Phillip Rivers, uh, admittedly only a quarterback, not a running back, you know, had his surgery in, in February 1st. 100 days later, minicamp practiced and uh, had his uh, career-high uh, quarterback rating that next season after his ACL 10 years ago, no problem since. Uh, Jamal Charles, the same year that Adrian Peterson had his, his ACL recovery and gained 2,000 yards, 
he gained a career high 1500 yards. So, you know, we probably would be talking about Jamal Charles if it wasn't Adrian Peterson in the same year. So that's kind of, uh, but those are not the norm and they're except they're the exception. And remember, not every ACL is the same. And I don't know what associated damage Dalvin Cook did or didn't have, but I just know that you can't bank on that being, you know, this great recovery, at least not in the early part of the season. With that being said, uh, potentially, and I don't know where the pricing is going to be and what league you're in, Dalvin Cook, now that everyone's really sour on him, might be a bargain coming up here because maybe finally he's going to take the time to get better. And I always said from the beginning of the season that uh, – the second half of the season that he's going to really come into stride and after the week 10 bye if the hamstrings good uh, he may work himself into uh, a pretty good running back play and you know the other big guy obviously is Leonard Fournette that people have been very frustrated by and, and rightfully so but Fournette's had a history of different leg issues going all the way back through college so when you have a guy like that who's had so many different injuries to I mean look when you're a running back uh, obviously you're going to take a lot of abuse but Fournette seems to always have different things. It's an ankle, it's a knee, it's a, it's a hamstring issue this year that's really kind of, it's, it happened in week one and then re-aggravated in week four. Is that something where you're looking at the body of a, of a, of a man just breaking down or is, is a system of maybe it's a different method of training? What is it about certain players that seem to have this thing where injuries kind of plague them constantly year over year as it seems to do to Fournette, which is unfortunately really hampering what could be a very bright career? Yeah, I'm not in love with the injury prone term and you didn't use it but uh you know if you look at his ankle issues over time he had that in college and i said for a long time that he's going to have a good career with his ankle but at some point in time at some off season you might want to think about tightening up the ligament so that he doesn't have this in and out in and out thing that that happens this year it's been the hamstring and uh you know to his credit you know if he would have just taken his time and gotten better he might not have been on this roller coaster and I'm not begrudging him or the team, but they're trying to get him back as soon as possible. And uh, if you're trying to wait to be as safe as possible, you may be missing some earlier games that you could return. They unfortunately tried to push the envelope and had some setbacks. But I can't blame Fournette for wanting to play and wanting to try and try to help his team. But at this point, for the last few weeks, I've been saying pretty clearly, don't look for Fournette at all. Really, you know, to me, stop with all the Twitter questions on Fournette until you see three straight full practices, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And that obviously is going to come after the, uh, the, the bye for. And it's amazing to me how, you know, you've seen Jacksonville basically kind of fall off along with Fournette. You know, without Fournette, all of a sudden, you know, there was opportunity there early in the season. We saw one or two big passing games out of that offense. And then eventually it got exposed and eventually they had more trouble. And now they bring in Carlos Hyde last week. And I don't know if that's going to be a fix short term or long term for them, but it's definitely a bad situation in Jacksonville. There's no denying that what turned out or at least looked like a bad situation turned out to be a pretty decent one here because new England this past weekend on Sunday in Chicago, when Sony Michelle went down, there was a lot of gasps and a lot of concern. It turns out the MRI showed no structural damage to him. Uh, when you see an injury like that on the field, and and you see a player really get taken off or whatever it is. Do, do you think everyone's right to always have that doom and gloom, David? Or do you think people overreact sometimes to what they see on the field? And Because, and, I mean, everybody was in full panic mode on Sunday that he was done for the year. And Michelle's another guy who's had a history of knee issues. Yeah, everyone was in full panic mode. But I think that's kind of what Twitter and the Internet's all about, right? <laughs> I guess it's a good point there. So, 
I mean, uh, and, and, you know, uh, so I, I take it all with a grain of salt. I don't worry about it. If anything, I think that's what drives a lot of the Twitter traffic and, and interest in what I have to say, because you're not hearing anything. I'm trying to give you something within minutes of the injury. And certainly before the, the, the coach speaks and, the case of New England, you know the coach isn't going to say much. Not that I begrudge him, and you know that's that's his style and, and it's worked for him obviously. And uh, in terms of Sonny Michelle, I can give you lots of examples. So what I try and do in this little game that I play on Twitter, I'm not diagnosing. I'm literally make no bones about it. I'm literally sitting on my couch, watching, watching replays. And and right now, HD TV and the multiple angles many times is good enough that. I've been able to be right a vast majority of the time. Never 100%, but I've tracked it at 95% to get you in the ballpark of what the injury is. And a lot of people say, well, how is it possible to do that? This is a voodoo trick or magic. No, it's called studying video. For 17 years I was in the NFL. Every Monday morning, after we saw them on Monday morning, after seeing them on the field on Sunday, after getting the MRI, I'd go up into the video room, and the guys were nice enough to pull up the, the game copy and, and the uh, – the all 22 coaches film too and we look at it so think about this uh joe if you go to the doctor you say you hurt your knee what does the doctor say he says what happened to you well if, in the case of an acute injury what happened to sonny michelle sony michelle is the video and that's why sometimes it can be quite helpful nowadays it's routine when i see a high school player when i ask them what happens the prominent of the dad pulls out the video because every high school game <laughs> right yes happened. You know, so so that's just why it's it's helpful. But the other thing is, I always judge on the video of the injury itself. I don't judge as to the reaction of the player or the reaction of the team or how he's taken off the field. And I say that a lot. For example, week one of the season, Aaron Rodgers was carted off, and everyone went haywire. Oh, this is the same knee he tore his ACL on. He had a recent scope on it. He lost last season with the broken collarbone. He's going to be done. And the half time I did a periscope saying, I can't tell you exactly what his injury is. I think it's a mild MCL. But I don't. I certainly don't think he's done for the season. It is not an ACL. And uh, this, I don't know that, I mean, he's certainly injured, but it's not all doom and gloom. And, of course, he came back and led the, them to a come-from-behind victory over the Bears. Another example of this is Cooper Cup. I mean, when he was carted off after that horse collar face fast tackle, everyone said, oh, he's done for the year because he's carted off. And he came back to play a series in the second half. Admittedly, he missed last week, might miss this week. But once again, on that injury, I said, that's not something that I deem to be long term. Uh, same thing with Sony, Sony Michelle here. Uh, I tweeted on Periscope and other things. I said, look, I don't see season-ending injury here it's certainly not an ACL there's some rumors of an MCL but I don't even see that if anything the worry of course is this is the knee that he's had degenerative changes and some arthritis on he probably lost some range of motion on that knee as people that have wear on their tear on their knee does do and if you look at the video his knee hyperflexed to where he almost touched his butt so it's almost like his heel touched his butt so it's, pro it's probably like his knee was bent in a direction it hadn't gone to in a while and it's just sore i mean there's scar tissue torn from the previous arthritis and, and he's just sore and i hope that's what it's going to be and, is tearing uh, scar tissue a bad thing necessarily or a good thing for a guy like michelle well, it's a bad thing in the short term, for sure. Right, obviously. Term, right. It's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't think that now all of a sudden he's going to have normal motion because he's because he has this. I mean, his knee just doesn't necessarily bend all the way. Is my guess from afar, knowing how arthritic these acts are, are, are act. And so, 
once again, uh, even if I can't tell you exactly what he has, because remember, I'm not diagnosing, I'm not examining, I'm not looking at the MRI. I'm just reacting to the video with what I call insider knowledge, not insider information. Insider knowledge hopefully can make you some good money in the stock market, but insider information, as uh, an NFL player will tell you this year, get you in hot water with the sec all right before i let you go doc one question for you is there one injury on the field this week uh that you've noted that you think is going to have an impact uh that maybe people aren't realizing in this weekend's games where there might be opportunity either a one-on-one matchup for a quarter wide receiver or a defensive injury i know khalil mack's been banged up and you know his is ferocious starts kind of come back down to the earth a little bit with that ankle injury. Is there something that you've got your finger on the pulse of this week that you think is something people aren't talking about enough that can either have from a, an all game perspective in terms of the line could possibly be changed by it or uh, a, a situation where one-on-one somebody might benefit from an injury that might be out there. Up there, you know, obviously Josh Allen's going to be out for a while. Uh, it's, it's October still and uh, you know, for the dolphins, uh, and that, that likely is going to go on for several more weeks. Uh, in terms of uh, uh, Khalil Mack, uh, he had a, a very subpar outing due to his ankle. But I, I expect a little bit of a rebound from him. A, the ankle's going to get better. It wasn't a high ankle. And, and B, it seemed to me that the Bears used him in space and coverage a lot. I think they're much better, given the right ankle injury, to put him on the left side of the defense and against the right tackle and use his, his, his healthy left angle to get around the corner more so I think he's going to have some sort of a bounce back week I mean he can't do worse I mean he only had one tackle on on Sunday the other one I think to kind of watch out for still is Greg Olson yes he scored a touchdown yes he played almost all the snaps but he had five targets for two catches and five yards and admittedly got one touchdown uh he's not Greg Olson yet and he may not be for a while there's risk of re-injury so that's right. uh, another one to watch well he you might know, not be he might not be Greg Olson, but you're definitely David Chow. I can tell you that much because that's some good stuff. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Pro Football Doc and check out his podcast. Uh, and also, you can uh, check out drdavidchow.com and profootballdoc.com as well. David's all over the place. Obviously, Sirius XM Radio does lots of spots there and everywhere else. We appreciate the time uh, spending with us. And uh, thanks so much for the insight, not just for the uh, season-long guys, but also for uh, some of the daily stuff information too. Great stuff as always, Dr. Chow. Thanks, Joe. Uh, all the way from serious times to what you're doing now. So congrats. Wow, oh, thank you, sir. That's right. I'm like a fungus, baby. Can't get rid of me. We're going to hit a break. We come back. We're going to start breaking down all the games for you right here on the pre-snap part of the Line Star app right back right after this. The pre-snap podcast is sponsored by Line Star. Dominate DFS with the world's only patented lineup optimizer. Visit linestarapp.com now and start your free trial. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the pre-snap right here on the Line Star app. It's time to break down the games, uh, and in terms of weather right now, where I mean, it's not nothing, no super concerning weather things that are really. I, I think I know there was some rain coming on the East Coast, but that seems like more Saturday. But uh, I wouldn't get too freaked out about too many things. But we have the Giants at Redskins. Obviously, the Giants this week, Raph, lots of bloodletting over there in terms of players being let go, moved on, all that kind of stuff. So. I wonder if this team just kind of folds up the tents. Washington is a minus one. Now the Giants are a minus one. I don't understand at all why this line has moved. Uh, the total open at 42 is now 42 and a half. So you take me through this one because I don't get it why the Redskins aren't a bigger favorite in this game. I just don't understand. 
Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the division game, but that's kind of why we've, that's kind of why I wanted to switch to this format because you talk about motivation and being able to predict the future and predict games and see where they're going to go. Look, the the Giants have some heavy ownership this week. And if we think this game is going to be low scoring with not a lot of offense, it's really hard to get behind the Giants. So that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm coming from there. Um, I agree with you. Uh, The line move is very interesting. Uh, my only take on that again is I think perhaps people looked at it and said division game, uh, you know, let's swing it another way. Don't trust the Redskins on the road. But again, this Giants team put, and and they put up a close game on Monday night and, and they put up a fight in Carolina too. But my problem is I'm looking at this team and I'm seeing practice squad players and, and yeah. backup guys now playing on defense. And I'm not in love with the Washington offense by any stretch of the right, game. The right. Washington's played tough. And Alex Smith knows how to make the right throw at the right time. And I'm just looking at, uh, in terms of the locker room and the, and the morale yeah. right now, it's, yep. I mean, I'm looking at the Giants folding up the 10 right now. So we're halfway through the NFL season and more and more what's going to happen is, and we're going to talk about this with several teams this week, what teams are going to fold up 10? what teams are just basically going to be tanking the rest of the way. And there's been a lot of talk that the giants could potentially put Kyle Lillette out there, which is crazy. It's scary. It's not crazy, but it's scary. And so that could implode. This team could end up going one in 15, looking to draft a quarterback next year. And they didn't, you know, we can, that's a whole nother issue. Uh, you know, fire sale. My notes in the game is this fire sale in New York. They're coming off a short week road, road Monday night loss on the road. The media has been killing this team. I'm very like, <sighs> I know you're, you're saying the same thing I am, which is you're not in love with the Redskins attack because it's, there's not a lot of upside ceiling. It's not a, you know, brilliant. Could the giants, right could the giants win? They could win. I've got this game 20 to 16. It could go either way. It could go Redskins. It could fair. go Giants. It's fair, but I, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like I, things are just kind of disintegrating. And Yeah, I don't see a lot of offense in that game at all. All right, let's move on to the Seahawks at Lions. Opened up at minus two and a half, now minus three. The total opened at 49s. That moved to 49 and a half. Uh, look, I'm looking at this one, and we say it every single week. It's target the running backs against the Lions until they prove otherwise, just like you target the running backs against the Falcons until they prove otherwise. And even if they prove otherwise, they still might do it anyway. So this week it's Chris Carson for me. And I would also imagine Russell Wilson is going to be available for some rushing yards too. My big question too, is whether or not carry on can carry over that huge game this past uh, weekend that he had. And uh, right now, I mean, looking at Seahawks and lions too, you know, that, that lions attack offensively through the air, very dangerous with those three wide receivers. Even Galladay should have had another touchdown last week to his beautiful game log that has been 2018, but it got called back. So how do you see this one working out? So, um, yeah, this is going to be an interesting game. And really this, uh, these two teams are fighting for a wild card spot in the NFC, probably not division Seahawks might be in a better spot and that the division with the Cardinals and the, and the Niners is, is not very good. So, um, Seahawks coming off a bye, big win in London. Uh, Lions coming off big win in Miami. Lions are five and one against the spread this year. Five out of six games have gone over the total. The total in this game is 49 and a half. It feels high. Um, I think what we're going to see here is both teams are going to look to establish the run. And so what that's going to do is it's naturally going to drive the score down just a little bit. So, 
the implied projected game, it, it looks like it's around 26-23. I've got it 24-23 Lions. And I do like the running game on both sides in this spot. All right, fair enough. I, I agree with you too. I, I like running backs on both sides of this one as well. And, uh, you know, you, you have the Lions winning and I, I think it is going to be a squeaker. And I could see the Lions pulling the upset here as well. I don't think that's a shocking one at all. All right, let's go over to the Ravens at Panthers. Right now it's a pick em, uh Ravens, sorry, started off as a pick, sorry. And now it's Ravens minus two. Total open at 43 and a half, now 44. You know, tough loss at home for the Ravens. You know, they've had some odd wins and some tough losses. You know, where <laughs> you look around and you're like, all right, you know, how, how do they rebound? How do they respond? We know John Brown's been very effective. Uh, we all know that. And now the Panthers, who, you know, they might have a lot of personnel name brand wise over on that defense, but certainly been some suspect moments for that Panthers defense. So when you have the Panthers going home and the Ravens now kind of in a, a tough spot here after another bad loss, after losing to Cleveland recently and then losing to the Saints, do you think they have enough to go on the road here and give Cam Newton a hard time? Yeah, um, look, this the, the tough loss for the Ravens last week. Um, that was a home non-conference game. Now they got to go on the road for a non-conference game. However, this is a must-win game for the Ravens. I think the Panthers can get away with losing this game, and, and they won the game last week against the Eagles. That game means a lot more in the scheme of things. It's a conference road win, uh, which is going to be huge for them. Uh, Ravens' last five games have gone under the total. Panthers got extremely lucky last week. Really, they played one quarter of football. To me, this has got defense written all over it. It's got field goals written all over it. And I see the Ravens squeaking it out in 1916. Yeah, I think that's fair. Certainly, uh, indeed. And I, look, I think when you're also looking at this one, too, from a fantasy perspective, how do you see Christian McCaffrey's value specifically in this one? Because I know that's a yeah. I don't. I don't like him at all this week. Yeah, I think it's a tough sell too. You yeah. know, and and it's it's tricky. I mean, it's it's very tricky because I know it's tempting. I know it's a home game and all that stuff, but still, I think with that Ravens defense, I think you got to be leery at the very least. All right, Broncos at Chiefs. Chiefs open up at minus ten, uh, and look, the total opened up at fifty-five and a half. It's come down a little to fifty-three and a half. When we're talking about this one right now, the Chiefs are rolling. This is an in-division game, so I don't think this is the letdown game, quote-unquote, Rath. Do you, do you agree with that? Like, you know, I, eventually there will be a letdown game for the Chiefs because it's just natural, but I don't see it being Denver. No, not at all. Uh, home game, division rival. They've still got to hold off the Chargers, and <clears throat> uh, I'm not sure that, you know, the Broncos are a much different team on the road than they are at home. The Broncos really gave the Chiefs all they could handle on Monday Night Football a few weeks ago. I think the Chiefs come in here motivated. Huge blowout win at home against the Bengals. This offense cannot be stopped, especially at home. And I think it's a really bad spot for the Broncos. I'm not in love with the Broncos. Uh, Freeman injured. Uh, it, you know, even though... Well, well, let's talk about the Freeman injury. Is the Freeman injury uh, a, a real positive for Lindsay where maybe he's flying under yeah. the car? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about that. I like Lindsay this week um, because they could be playing from behind and dump off passes, and then Booker might even be in play too. Uh, I just don't think that you can stop this Chiefs offense right now. I've got the game 37-20, Kansas City. So basically, I've got the Broncos hitting their implied total, maybe a little bit under, but I've got the Chiefs scoring one more touchdown above their implied total. So I think there's value on the Chiefs. All right, let's go to the Browns at Steelers, another in-division rivalry game here. 
look, the Steelers opened up at minus seven and a half. Now it's minus eight. The total opened at 15 and a half. It's down to 49. And, and that number is, you know, I mean, cause I look at this one and I'm thinking to myself, all right, one more, I'm, Denzel Ward has been great. I imagine Antonio Brown here going to lock up most of the day, which means to me it's Juju Smith-Schuster all over the place because I don't think the Browns have an answer for him as well. And I think that's where it becomes a problem. You know, I, I think Connor's obviously going to be very active in this one as we've seen so far, but I think Juju's really the guy in this one that I think we should be targeting. Do you agree with that in that sense that everything lines up for a day where maybe these could actually go over that projected total? Yeah. So, I mean, <clears throat> we all know that the way to, the way to get at, um, cause I know you've got this one going over the total as well. Yeah, no Pittsburgh at home. You know, that's always, right. that's always, that's to me too. um, I'm pulling up the game log. Look, uh, last time Antonio went for 24 drafting points and Juju went for about 20. So I'd say it's going to be, uh, some of the same even distribution there. Um, uh, look, I think the Browns here, um, you know, they played tough. They played some close games. This is a bad spot for the Browns. It's a rematch of that week one game where the Steelers played horrible. The Browns, you know, it's, you know, tie that whole thing. They, the Steelers have to look at their record every single week and see that ugly tie. The Browns are now 0 and 24 on the road. I can't see them getting back. Look, I think the Steelers are in a spot here where they could really run up the run up the game. Um, the over is eight and two the last ten games for the Steelers at home, so I'm kind of looking against the history of this of this rivalry, and I'm going more with how does Pittsburgh play at home? Uh, projected total of the game is around twenty eight twenty. I've got the Browns at that projected total of twenty. I, I'm starting to wonder if it could be even less. It could be maybe sixteen or seventeen, but I've got the Steelers locked in at thirty four. I think they go over their implied total and I like the Steelers, you know, to put up in some value on the Steelers there. But I think this is a very, very good spot for the Steelers to get right. Now the Bengals put up a turd last week where they should have been a very good fantasy bet. I expect them to bounce back this week at home against the Buccaneers because, well, the Buccaneers suck in terms of defense. So, I mean, it's pretty much an easy one there. Uh, then again, we thought it was an easy one last week, but you know, I, I'm going to give him the mulligan there on the road at home. No excuses, Andy Dalton. I don't want to hear it from you or anybody else. This game to open at minus six. Now it's minus four total open at 53 and a half and now 54. I know Ronald Jones has been busy in practice this week. Uh, you would expect a bounce back game here from uh, not just Dalton, but the entire offense. It means Mixon, Boyd, uh, AJ Green, the whole lot. Now, again, another you know, Bucks on the road for non-conference game, uh, overtime win versus the Browns last week. That was a, that was a nail biter. You know, that one went down to the wire here and that just tells you where the Bucks are right now. So how do you see this one shaking out when they have to go on the road now against a Bengals team that really has played much better this year, even though last week it was not a good look. Yeah. There's the wheels are starting to come off the Bengals a little bit here. Um, which is ironic because you think that when they got mixing back, things would keep going better. What's interesting is it's all started when Eifert went out. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. It's a good point. It's yeah, good point. Um, you haven't been the right since that Atlanta game when you think. Yeah, about yeah. So um, here's some trends. And the who needs the game more? This, this game is meaningless for Tampa. They had to win that game at home. You can't lose to the Browns at home. Okay, so they gave everything they could last week. And I don't know how much is left in the tank this week. So the Bengals have to win this game. It's against a bad team. 
I think this line of four is, is, I mean, if you think about it, it open six, it's down to four. Boy, no, I don't people, get it. I don't, I don't, you know, people don't trust the Bengals, but the total well, is it, is it, they don't trust the, the Bengals equally to, they don't all, do they also maybe also respect to a certain extent, Winston's ability sometimes to throw no, the ball. I don't think they can do with it. Bucks okay. are two and 11 the last 13 games on the road. So they've got no ability. The Bengals just don't have a home field edge. I think that's what it comes down to. That's fair. And here's some trends as far as do we think this game is going to go where the total leads us. The Bucks are 8-2 and two to the over in the last 10 road games. The Bucks are 6-1 and one the last seven games overall. And it just missed the, the over last week against Browns. Um, everything here points to a, a high-scoring game. I've got the game Bengals 34, Bucks 26. So, again... I've got the underdog landing right on their implied total, but I've got the favorite scoring a touchdown above what their projected total is. All right, let's go to the Bears and uh, a great showing by them, even though it was a loss last week. Uh, This week, they get the Jets, whose running back situation is getting dire right now. Elijah McGuire's back and Bilal Powell went on IR. Crowell's banged up, and I know people are talking about Trenton Cannon and all that stuff, but look, I mean, uh, even with Khalil Mack's injured ankle, who obviously still looked pretty injured last week. Trubisky's played very well. The Bears opened at minus six and a half. That line's now moved to minus seven and a half, which is not surprising with all the Jets injury news. Plus with the Jets propensity to turn the football over, this total opened at 46 is now down to 44 and a half. Another one where I think the Bears are going to go over this one. And this has, to me, blowout. You want to talk about non-conference road games and a team that's banged up on the running game with the Jets? This one I think could get ugly, Rath. Yeah, it's a bad spot for the Jets. Um, <clears throat> it's a very good spot for the Bears. Uh, a lot like the Steelers. A lot like the Steelers. And uh, I think this line. Look, the Jets have played competitive football this year. However, you're now asking them to go on the road against a very good defense and win a game. That's just not. You know, they got blown out against the Vikings. They're two and ten. Their last twelve on the road. So they just really struggle to even be competitive on the road. Tough loss for the Bears. Big game. You know, I, look it wouldn't shock me if they sleepwalk through the first half and it's like 10, three, but then they get, they get motivated at halftime and they come out in the second half and they, and they go crazy. Um, it also wouldn't surprise me if they go up 21, nothing. So my point being is that uh, this game for sure, it's all about motivation for the bears. And if they come out guns blazing or they come out flat, uh, their defense has been given up points now the last three games. So that's something to certainly consider, but I think it's very hard to trust Darnold on the road here to be able to really even do anything against this defense. I've got the bears 34, 17. It wouldn't shock me if this game is out of hand really early for most of the game. And maybe the Jets score a late touchdown to get to 17, but I think the bears role in this, I agree with you. Yeah. I think what you're trying to say is it's only a matter of time. Either if they start flat a little bit it's only a matter of time before the, uh, Remember the, um, the victory opens up. Yeah, the Bears-Bucks game earlier this year where the Bears just absolutely unloaded uh, could be a similar type of game. Yeah, I I agree. And look, you know, sometimes losses are encouraging. I think last week's loss for them, despite disappointing, was still encouraging. I love Trubisky at the press conference after. I think he's really, you know, stepped up here and been a leader. And I think that Bears team is really buying in right now across the board. Colts had a big week, man. They blew out the Bills, which really pissed me off from a defensive standpoint last week. Uh, I had some Bills defensive shares, and it did not yeah. go well. It did not uh, go well. I was right well. there with you. Yeah, I was yeah, right there with you. a lot you. of us did. Yeah, I talked fun. to a couple of our uh, crew here. It was a lot of the same. Uh, however, 
the uh, the Colts move on to Oakland this week. It opened as a pick, and now the Colts minus three. Uh, total opened up at 51. Now it's 50 and a half. And look, you got the Raiders here with Marshawn Lynch going on IR. So you got Jalen Richard and Doug Martin now available in this game. But look, I, the Colts, I think the real story here is Marlon Mack's game and how good he's looked since he's been back. And I, I've said it on my Black Book show. I've said it on a couple of spots now. I think the Colts are one of the more dangerous under 500 teams in the NFL where I don't, just don't think you want to play them because I think their expectations right now were just, hey, just get Andrew Luck healthy and try to show progress. And now they're doing that. And now I think they just have no pressure. And I think that's a very dangerous spot. And I think Oakland, another team folding up the tent, it might not get any more compact as far as tent folding than the Oakland Raiders, Raph. Yeah, look, I mean, it's kind of weird to see the Colts favored by three on the road against anybody at this point. Uh, the game open pick, it moved to minus three. Uh, I don't think it's going to move off that. That could be too much risk. And uh, you could see people buying back on the Raiders. So, uh, yeah, no doubt about it. Motivation here. Look, much like the Giants, the Raiders have gotten killed. They traded Amari Cooper. Uh, is Derek Carr next? There's all sorts of issues with him crying on the field. This this Raiders situation is just a complete mess. And the Colts are 2-11, and 11, their last 13 games on the road, and they're actually favored. I know, but you know what? I think you throw that out because I think that's one of those numbers that you go, well, who cares because how healthy was Andrew Luck over well, there? Well, no, it, just, it goes to show you. Well, that's going over the last year and a half, but it just goes to show you how bad the Raiders are. It's not necessarily. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, yes, yeah. yes. But I also yeah. want to like, yeah. know, yeah. like, don't get scared off about that number. No, no doubt. It just, this goes to show the Raiders are one in nine in their last 10 games. They barely oh. won. The only game they won was that lucky game against the Browns. Uh, yeah, fold up the tent, no doubt about it. I've got the game 33-20 Colts. And uh, maybe I don't even know if the Raiders can get to 20. To I think 20's, 20 would be asking a lot. Yeah. I really do. Packers at Rams. I think this one's going to be fun. It's funny because the Rams opened at minus 10. And now it's nine and a half. Uh, the total opened at 57. And now it's down to 56 and a half. And I, and I feel like it's, uh, look, nobody's a bigger fan of what the Rams have done this year than me. And I've got great respect for him. But it's still Aaron Rodgers. And I know it's on the road. This, this this surprised me. I mean, it surprised me that this line didn't get closer to seven as we went through because I just felt like, isn't this supposed to be where the big-time, all-time great quarterbacks show up and make games a lot closer than you realize? I'm not saying the Packers are going to win, but I don't know. This line surprised me as well. Well, they've got to push this line up to the point where people are going to play both sides. And at this point, the Rams have won seven in a row. 18 and six, their last 24, which basically is the McVeigh era. Um, they're the best team in football right now. Agreed. I agree. So that's why this line is, you know, on paper, you might think seven and a half, but really and truly, there's not a lot of difference between seven and a half and nine and a half because a lot of those numbers in between are dead. That's why it came off at 10. I think people could easily see this game being 34, 24, 33, 23, 38, 28. So Even that if it means the Rams are in control and the Packers make a late run at it too, because we all, yeah. Yeah. So I think that the 10 really scared people off because it could naturally land on 10 and it could naturally land in between, you know, seven or eight. Um, the, the Packers are coming off of a buy. I think that had a lot to do with that line move taking tweaking down a little bit. I uh, wouldn't shock me if that does get down to eight and a half, nine. Um, and the Rams look, 
I thought the Rams might come in flat last week. The Niners laid an egg. The Rams just basically shoved it down their throat. Uh, I think this is the game of the week. I think this game is going to be a massive shootout. I don't think, uh, I think this game is going to be back and forth. Rogers looks healthy. Like I said, coming off of a bye, this is a big time game. This is one of the biggest games of the year. Uh, this has got classic written all over it. I'd be shocked if this game was not uh, a shootout and a close shootout in that. Yeah, I know okay. you got 38-34. And I, I've got 38-34. Yep. Yeah, I'm looking at that kind of score. And and whether or not it's close the whole game, I just feel like when, when all said and done, it's going to be close. And that's a game you want to keep your fantasy attention on. 49ers at Cardinals. Uh, open pick, uh, and now it's San Francisco minus one. The total 43.5, now down to 42.5. This one's fugly. You also have the Mike McCoy firing. So I guess my question is, do you think there's going to be an overreaction to that for people loving David Johnson this week? Um, I don't know because it, it's more of an unknown. Um, and look, it's still a rookie quarterback, and I think that if you go back and you look at the history, and I think this was something that I just didn't take into consideration. I, I did, and I thought it wasn't going to be as big of an issue with them. I thought Bradford would be able to play more. But remember how bad Gurley was when Goff was a rookie? Yep. And clearly, you know, it might have been a lot of Jeff Fisher, but, man, it's it really It was a lot hard. of Jeff Fisher, too. Right. So, um no, it's 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 definitely a handcuff. But then then again, I mean, it's it's a matter of two where you look at there's been plenty of other running backs that have been productive with rookie quarterbacks, too. We've seen that. I, mean, I think, David, was good no, I think there's so much value at running back this week. It's just hard for me to take them. Oh, no, I ag- I agree with you. I'm, I'm not saying you and I are recommending. I don't, it. I, saying- don't, I don't think people are on him. I really oh, don't. Yeah. I think That's that he, he just doesn't have touchdown upside anymore. And he doesn't have volume upside anymore. And, and those are the two things that really pushed him, you know, to be a top five running back or a top overall running back. And it's just not there right now. And, uh, you know, the Niners had five turnovers last time. They outgained them by 200 uh, Niners coming. Both these teams are just playing for a top five pick at this point. Um, I, I can't tell you what's going to happen either way. Yeah, I don't want, I don't think I want any piece of this outside of the defenses. I've got it 49 is 23, 16. Again, love the defenses. But I don't know if I can. I know people are on the Niners because of the matchup, but the Niners defense just isn't very good. And no. I don't know. I think I'm going to fade them, but I think uh, I don't have a problem going back with the Cardinals because of what happened last time. All right. We're getting a break. When we come back. We're going to talk about some of the fluctuating prices week over week. You're listening to the pre-snap. We'll be right back right after this. The pre-snap podcast is brought to you by LineStar, transparent projections, simplified research, advanced signals, and top-rated apps. Dominate DFS. Download for free at LineStarApp.com. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the pre-snap on the LineStar app. On the LineStar app, you can click on each player and see the results for each game along with what they scored, the metrics used for the current week's projections. You can sort players by all different kinds of options, love, hate, salary, projected points, salary comp, scored, uh, ownership, ceiling, everything. We got it right here, so make sure you download the LineStar app today and use it right away and get winning. All right, let's talk about some pricing changes Cheap running backs went up a lot this week. You got the DraftKings situation, uh, plus eleven hundred on Chubb, plus a thousand on Mac off the big game. Carry on saw an eight hundred dollar bump. Tariq Cohen saw a seven hundred dollar bump. Lindsay with a six hundred dollar bump as well. So 
out of those guys that I just named, who's the one that sticks out to you the most in terms of, hey, the price went up, but I still want in? Uh, based on, look, Tariq Cohen. Um, I've been playing him for like two, ever since they got him involved in the offense about yep. three weeks ago. Uh, had him last week, had him the week before. And again, we talked about the profile of running back that succeeds in this in this NFL that we're in. And it is guys like Tariq Cohen. And so I'm going to continue to put him out there. I love the matchup. Uh, he, he absolutely is, you know, can get 25 points in any given week. And that's what you look for out of that PPR RB at his price point. So Tariq Cohen to me is still in play. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think Lindsay's another one to watch too, just because I also think the ownership will be low, but that's a pretty good uh, situation there for him. And plus 600 is not backbreaking, but I'm with you. I've had Cohen the last couple of weeks in a lot of lineups on the fan duel. Actually, let's go to the negatives. Uh, Morris down 1100, uh, obviously McCaffrey, uh, Howard, Crowell, all down minus seven and Goff and Beckham. Uh, down minus 600. So those are guys worthy of uh, your attention in terms of price change. On the FanDuel side, Chubb went up $1,600, a much bigger jump. But then again, he was a little bit lower to start with there. Michael Roberts got the plus 12. CJ Beathard plus 900. And then he got Gurley up 800. If you can believe it, kids, Todd Gurley is even more expensive. Capri Bibbs got a bump and Marlon <laughs> Mack again on that side. So did Barkley, Herndon, Cannon, and Moser. Uh, look, on the FanDuel side, who pops for you with the with the bump in price? Um, you know, for me, it's it's actually, you know, plus eight hundred on Mac. I think in this matchup, I still like it. Yeah, that would probably be where I'm going to go with it. Um, you know, that's uh, it's a price change. It's a more of a premium, but I think with the matchup with Oakland, and I think even if if we do believe that the Colts have an opportunity to get up on them quick, then that means. Really, a, yeah. a good day so for Mac. Most most hair is still, most most hair, or however you pronounce most it. Most hair, most hair. Yeah, more. so uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know, but I want to say it like this when I say it. It's very nice. I like it. It's very uh, yeah. Yeah, it's very Pepe Le Pew. Uh, very Pepe Le Pew. So let's uh, let, let's look at him, especially let's, in the spot. Let's just call him Pepe Le Pew. Go you know, 18, 18, 20 touches. Uh, looks yeah. Yep. Yeah, I've had him cheaper already in some lineups too, making him uh, some flex spots there. All right, the price the price plays here. Uh, key here, DK prices are down on quarterbacks and, uh, the prices are up on running back wide receiver tight end. The FanDuel prices up on quarterbacks as well, but, uh, doesn't price up the running backs and the rest of the group. So, uh, just keep that in mind. Uh, quarterbacks best value this week on DK. Uh, you have Mahomes and Rogers on FanDuel Dalton and Trubisky. I agree with you hundred percent. I already mentioned Trubisky before you look at the game log. He's using his legs to, uh, to me, Trubisky is a really nice play here. Uh, tell take me through the the big guys over on DK too, with Mahomes and Rodgers being premium guys, but still good value. Yeah, when you look at what they're priced up at on FanDuel versus DraftKings, there's a significant edge by playing these guys on DraftKings, and everybody likes to pay down on quarterback on DraftKings, so that's why there's value on those two guys. Um, we've been without Mahomes in the Sunday main slate for quite some time. And he does look to be the chalk this week by a wide margin. So I think Rogers is certainly somebody that you can look at. Now the, the trick, the trick is people are going to try and put Mahomes and Gurley in the same lineup for cash. And there's just, it's almost impossible to do it, but they're going to try and they're going to see what the lineups look like. So, you know, just be aware of that, that you really, it's either one or the other. And I think it's pretty obvious that where you want to go, um, you know, still continue to play girly and cash and you can find quarterback matchups elsewhere. 
Um, but the Rodgers play is very interesting because, um, look, he could go for 400 yards, right. four or five touchdowns, yeah, and I just go off the stratosphere. So All right. that's, that's the thing with there. And you got the, the three-point three point bonus on DraftKings. Right. Good point there. All right. On the running back side, uh, better value on DK Crowell, <laughs> Peterson. We mentioned him earlier. We talked about Carson, who I've got a lot of shares of, too. Uh, Moser and uh, Chubb, better value on the FanDuel side. Barkley, McCaffrey, Connor, and Mixon. Take me through the Barkley situation here because we all know the talents there. And I mean, I mean, he's basically kind of morphing into whatever's left of this offense here. With Eli Manning being such a statue, it seems like it's really important to make sure that he gets fed. So, do you think there's enough play here on Barkley with that value where you get excited about him, or is the total hold you back? Yeah, the thing is, it's like you got Gurley at 9,800. Then you've got a drop all the way down to Barkley at 8,800. And then you've got another drop to Connor at 7,500. So for me, Barkley is strictly a tournament play. And it's strictly a, hey, I'm going to fade Gurley and I'm going to jump on Barkley and I'm going to look maybe at Kareem Hunt, Joe Mixon, you know, a a couple of different running backs just to have different lineup construction. Um, But you're getting him at 8,800 on DraftKings, he's 8,900 on FanDuel, uh, you know, so the, it's a better play. I, I know I just gave you the DraftKings prices, but let me also give you the FanDuel prices along with it, just to put it in context. So Gurley is 11,000 on FanDuel. He's 9,800 on DraftKings, but Barkley is 8,800 on DraftKings and 8,900 on FanDuel. So he is a better value on FanDuel and it's just really hard to pay up for 11,000 in a tournament uh, for Gurley, I think, at this point. Um, yeah. Again, depending on what, what direction you want to go. Um, you're going to be able to spend up at running back on FanDuel because uh, they just have more uh, evenly distributed pricing. Uh, whereas a guy like Adrian Peterson is 7,000 on FanDuel, and he's all the way down at 4,900 on DraftKings. All right, wide receivers, no great values on GK, according to you. And on uh, the FanDuel side, Hill, Landry, Evans, Boyd, who we mentioned earlier, uh, Antonio Brown, and Gabriel. And I want to talk about Gabriel because with that Allen Robinson injury, uh, there's a lot of opportunity there for some volume to go Gabriel's way. Are you worried at all about Anthony Miller kind of eating into that potential? No, I'm not worried about Anthony Miller at all. Uh, Gabriel's certainly been the guy that they've been going to. Uh, that's an interesting game because it's like, we're going to talk about stacks later on. And so it's like, who, you know, who do you think that you're going to want on the bears is, is really what it's going to come down to. You know, are you going to want Cohen? Are you going to want Burton? Which wide receivers are you going to want? So that's sort of, you know, that's sort of what we're looking at. And, uh, you know, Gabriel to me is I don't Allen Robinson. I don't trust at all. I feel like he's been a bust. Uh, Anthony Miller. He's 3,400 on DraftKings. He's pretty cheap, but he hasn't really done anything this year. So I don't know. I might stay away from, I might stay away from the wide receivers and might just go Trubisky Cohen and Burton. Yeah, I think that's fair. I Trubisky Cohen's a lot of uh, pairing that I've seen so far that I've, especially on the FanDuel side that I like. So I think that's a smart way to go on the defensive side here. Better values on DraftKings, Panthers, Seahawks, Steelers, and Colts. Steelers, you can make a good case for too. I think they have an opportunity to get after the quarterback a little bit. 
and then you got the the better value on FanDuel, the Cardinals, Bears, and Ravens. Certainly the Bears from a, a standpoint uh, as well. I, I know the Khalil Mack injury is a little frustrating, but still, uh, I think that that's that's a really good defense. I think last week you look at what the Patriots did, and you have to say, okay, well, that's the Patriots, and not worry about that too much. Uh, but the Ravens, you know, that's another one too where – you know, I know it's a road game. Does that discourage you at all from the value that's the Ravens defense against the the Carolina? No, no, because um, this is a very interesting week for pricing. Um, you've got the Bears at 4,100 on DraftKings, and then the next highest price defense is 3,200 with Arizona, and everybody else is under 3,000. Now on FanDuel, you've got the Bears priced up all the way at 5,000. Then you've got more of uh, a more of a concentration of salaries on FanDuel. So what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to look at the at the lower tier in the mid tier on FanDuel to try to extract more value uh, there. Um, very interesting what DraftKings is doing with pricing on defenses. Clearly, they've adopted the quarterback strategy and that they've just slashed the prices because let's face it defenses this year with all of the scoring it's been very difficult to get value paying up at defense the jaguars haven't paid off the rams haven't paid off a ton the saints are not the same defense it's just nope. yeah you know, the bears have really been the only team and that's why they're priced where they're at and it's very hard to justify paying up for them because it just hasn't worked out for anybody all year yeah, I would agree with that. All right, we're going to hit a break. We come back. We're going to talk about percentage and ownership by position, the players you want, the players you want to fade, and the chalk that might be good for your health. You're listening to the pre-snap right here on the Line Star app. We'll be right back right after this. The pre-snap podcast is sponsored by Line Star. New to daily fantasy sports? Don't have the time to put into researching and building your lineups? Let Line Star do the work for you. Build winning lineups with Line Star. Download now in the App Store. All right, let's get after it. Let's get to the quarterbacks. Top plays this week most likely will be Luck, Winston, Trubisky, and Mahomes. The chalk will be Mahomes. Uh, less than ten percent owned. Rath is saying it might be Luck, actually, and Trubisky, believe it or not, uh, Winston as well. So the top plays are also the under 10%, which is not always the case here. Uh, so I want you to break this down for me because I've been all over Trubisky. Uh, sell me on on Luck over Trubisky this week. Is it just because of the Oakland Raider matchup or their propensity to, to throw the football more? Yeah, well... You know, luck right now looks like he. there's only really one shot quarterback this week, and that's Mahomes, and he's going to be significantly owned versus the rest of the field. Then it kind of flattens out. You've got about four or five guys that are in that second tier and then four or five guys in the third tier, and then it completely just flats out. Uh, Trubisky's kind of in that fourth tier as far because he's he's priced up at 6,100. Uh, he doesn't have a five in front of him, and I think the six – in front of that salary on DraftKings is really what's driving the ownership projection to come down. So again, it's mostly, uh, it's more of a perception. Uh, when you go and you look at him over on FanDuel, he's priced up to 7,700, but there are plenty of quarterbacks with an eight in front of him. So, you know, the, his price has certainly come up because of the last three games. And I think that's why the ownership is going to be off him because people are just going to be looking to find value at the quarterback position and go with a guy like Winston, who's close to the same price, or Dalton. Um, so I think that's sort of what's driving the ownership down. The thing about that is, um, 
I don't think you can you can't ignore what Trubisky's done and look at what quarterbacks have been able to do against the Jets. We've been talking about it now for almost a month. Ever since all the injuries in the secondary to the Jets, quarterbacks have lit them up. And so while Cousins may not have had a huge game last week, um, I still think that that you you've got a situation where the Jets are going on the road. And that's really not an advantageous situation for this for this spot. So, uh, yeah, I think that's why you got to definitely look at um, anybody playing against the the Jets at this point at the quarterback spot. And uh, we're fading Newton and Dalton right now, and uh, I can I can certainly <laughs> understand why. I, I think that those are uh, understandable off the the bad week last week where people will panic on Dalton, but uh, Newton one certainly makes sense uh, on the running back. The chalk this week will be Gurley, Hunt, uh, Connor, and Mixon. Less than 10% owned. You're projecting Mac, Barkley, potentially, carry on Johnson, Tariq Cohen, Lindsay, and uh, Pepe Le Pew. Uh, see that? See what I did there? I made sure that I stuck with the bit. And uh, we're fading McCaffrey, which we already discussed earlier. Now, in terms of the guys who had big performances last week, Marlon Mack, Tariq Cohen, who's the better chance to carry over this week? Oh man, uh, I love that's why I get the big bucks, baby. I ask the good questions. Yeah, no, I like I like both guys. Um, I do too. The only, you know, the only thing I guess the only angle that you could potentially say is, um, you know, maybe Mac Mac is projected to be slightly more owned. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, uh, I think it's about even. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I think both guys are, I, I could have both guys in lineups uh, because of the price point. Cohen, Cohen at under 6K on DraftKings, Mac at 5,400. I mean, you pair, you pair Gurley with those guys and it, it makes for a good lineup construction. So I don't know if it's really one or the other. Um, I think carry on Johnson becomes the wild card there because you've got, Mac at 5,400, carry on at 5,300, and Cohen at 5,800. If you're not able to fit Cohen in and you got to drop down and save a little bit of money, that, then you probably want to pivot to carry on. Uh, just got to keep an eye on Theoretic. And, you know, but boy, carry on is, is more of a GPP guy for me. Mac and Cohen are more cash because carry on could just explode. Um, their He's price, fun to watch. You know, yeah, the pricing is very similar on FanDuel. So I don't think there's any, there's any um, differences there, so to speak. And so, but uh, I I'd probably lean a little bit more towards carry on, on, on FanDuel because it is half point, but, and Max, I'd probably lean away from Cohen a little bit, but still, um, you know, they're not really giving Jordan Howard the ball at this point. So Cohen is getting carries in the backfield too. Well, you know, the funny thing with carry on too, is I remember in the, you know, we don't want to take a lot out of the preseason, but I remember watching him in the preseason going, man, he looks really good in this offense. <laughs> And it looks like a really good fit and he looks really sharp. And, you know, it was one of those things where you saw it, but you never know what to believe because it's preseason and the competition's always spotty. But so far it's starting to look like that's been a pretty good pick. And I remember watching him in college and remember that huge game he had in that giant upset last year. And it was just great to watch. It was an incredible fun game. All right. Wide receiver chalk this week will be Woods, Brown, Green, Hill, and Cooks. The less than 15% owned will be Jordy, Gabriel, and Tyler Boyd. And we're fading Odell Beckham with good reason. I want to get to the Jordy Nelson thing because we didn't talk about that at all. With Amari Cooper gone, I always feel like the biggest bump volume-wise potentially is going to be Jared Cook. Yeah. I'm curious, is there any 
I mean, Martavis Bryant, I don't know. That's really hard to get behind, especially in daily. But is there any attention we should be paying at all to Jordy Nelson just based off of if they are behind and in terms of nobody else being out there? I'll tell you what, man. It's, a danger. Are, it's not one I'd want to play, but I understand. It feels, it feels like a trap. It does feel like a trap. You're right. It feels like a trap because he's less than 5K. And that's that's the thing. If he was five thousand and fifty one hundred, a lot of people would probably jump off. So that's the thing is, you know, I'm still worried about motivation. Um, look, he had three really good games in a row. He had weeks three, four, and five. He did well. Laid an egg against Seattle. Uh, laid an egg against Denver. Laid an egg. It's not like. In the games that I'm going to pull up Jordy and um, Amari, and I'm going to kind of look and see in the games where Jordy didn't perform, which was weeks one, two, and six, you know, Amari was good in week two, but did nothing in week six and did nothing in week one. So I think this is fool's gold. And I know I'm probably going against the grain, but to me, Jordy Nelson is a fade. And I don't like this. I don't, you know, I, I just don't like this Oakland team at all right now. Again, when we talked about the projection and, and I even said, boy, I've got it 33, 20. And I think I'm pushing it for 20. Yeah. This game could, it's, it, this, I mean, Colts defense isn't great, but boy, this, that game could get ugly really quick. What if, what if Derek Carr gets benched? I mean, just, <laughs> oh, God. Dude, oh my it, God. It's, you know, it's, I don't think what John if, what if they trade the guy. Who knows what they're going to do? They could trade the guy Saturday. I mean, it's, this, this, <laughs> whole, this whole Raider thing, this, this Raiders thing is just. Well, I don't think John Gruden realizes he actually can't play first round picks yet. Like he's, he, he still need players actually on the field. I, I think you're, pu- I think people are just automatically, uh, uh, you know, my take is he's 4,700 on DK. You got to play him. He's going to get all the targets. I think it's a trap too. I mean, I, there's such things as a bad 40, 4,700. I mean, such a bad, the, these exist just because they're good in theory doesn't mean they're good in practice. And, but better, but better than that. I think the more important thing to say is it doesn't make them good investments. It makes them values. And I think people will often confuse the two making a good, a good potential value is not necessarily a good investment for all the reasons we just put out there of all the issues with Oakland. That's why it's not a good investment, even though there's value potential, they're not necessarily tied hand to hand. See that they were in two really good spots in their offense late eggs. There you go. Boom. That's right. All right. Tight end, the chalk, Ebron, Kelsey, McDonald, less than 10% owned in Joku and Uzoma. Uh, I'm loving Njoku. Uh, I think he is. I think this time next year, we're talking about him as one of the top three tight ends potentially in the world. Yeah, I was going to say top five, but yeah, I agree. Um, Well, I'm taking Gronk out of there because I think Gronk is done. I think he's done. Yep. So uh, that's yeah. that's where I'm putting up there with Njoku, and I love what Burton's done too this year. Uh, fading Kelsey, no reason to pay up, and uh, fading McDonald as well in that one. But uh, I'm glad I want to highlight uh, you know Njoku and talk about how good he's been. The target volume's been there. The move to Baker Mayfield certainly gives him more touchdown upside. He's just a good kid too, and I feel like that it's not doesn't show up in the box score, but he's the kind of guy that will push harder. He'll go for the extra couple yards in the first down. He's that guy that scratches and claws and does everything right. And now that he's got a quarterback, I think you're going to see just, it's like a, it's like a rose blooming. I feel like that's David Njoku. 
very hard to find consistency at the tight end position. He's hit value four weeks in a row yeah. and, you know, coinciding with uh, Baker, you know, getting into, into that role. Uh, he's been, he's been a must play four weeks in a row and I continue to, to go back to him. All right. Defense. Uh, the prices are depressed on DraftKings. two teams over 2,900 uh, good week to play several defensives, the chalk of Ravens, Steelers, bears, less than 8% owned, Oh, Cardinals on the FanDuel side, then Bengals, 49ers, Redskins, fading the Bears based on price uh, and the 49ers just because they're just not very good. The matchup might be good, but they're not. And that's always another what we just talked about. Just because it's a value doesn't make it a good investment. And I think that's the idea. Uh, but the Bears, certainly, if you're going to pay up, I can understand it. I, I get that because I think what you've seen out of the Darnold Jets especially now that you're throwing some brand new running backs really into the mix. I think that's a lot to ask on the road and he's had a propensity to turn the ball over already. Yeah. My only issue with that is just the gap between the bears and everybody else. It's uh, you know, when, when making lineups, I just feel like uh, I want to be able to save uh, 800 to $1,200 and be able to roll that into another running back. So, um, you know, it, it could be the difference between having to play girly versus Barkley in cash. And I'm certainly going to go girly, um, it could be the difference between a uh, $5,000 running back and a 6,500 or a 5,800 and a 7,200. So um, I'd just rather pay up and uh, the Steelers are just in a really good spot. I think the Bengals are interesting because the Buccaneers have, you know, sacks and turnovers and uh, low price, low ownership. And then also the Redskins against the Giants are in a really good spot too. I just think there's several defenses that you can roll with this week and you don't have to necessarily pair up, uh, pay up and go with the bears. All right. We got one more break. We come back. We're going to talk about projected team ownership and our final thoughts for the day. You're listening to the pre-snap more Joe and wrath right after this. The pre-snap podcast is brought to you by line star. Take your DFS game to a whole new level. Build winning lineups with the best tools on the market. Download now at linestarapp.com and start winning. All right, so team ownership, the big ones this week, we're looking at the Rams, the Chiefs, the Steelers, and the Bengals, and the Colts. Those are your top five right now. For some reason, the Raiders, based on price, are the sixth, and that's because of the Jordy ownership we talked about, and I'm sure people like Richard this week and and you know Doug Martin in terms of seeing the numbers and going, oh, well, that's going to equal productivity. Not necessarily volume doesn't volume offers potential for productivity, but I just feel like that team is just in a bad, bad way over on the other end of the spectrum uh, in terms of teams ownership being low, you got the Redskins, Ravens, 49ers, Jets, and Cardinals. And that's basically all based on totals there. I don't think there's any potentials there, but there is one that's close to the end, which is the Seahawks, which I think is, uh, you know, I talked about Carson and I talked about potential there with Wilson I don't know. I, I feel like a little bit of Seahawks action might actually be pretty good. Uh, take me through the team concept this week, if you will, Rath, and how you see these ownerships uh, working out DFS-wise. Yeah, so what I do is I look at the um, projected ownership and I rank it, and then I also look at the projected team total because oftentimes they go hand-in-hand. I look for outliers. So an outlier this week is the Seahawks at 14. Uh, their projected ownership is 14th, but their projected total is 233 which is more like around midway, like around 10th. So there looks to be some value on the Seahawks. Um, could be Lockett, could be Carson, could be Russell Wilson. I uh, certainly could see that being extremely low owned and, and providing value. Uh, 
again, I feel like that game is more like a 24-23 type of game, but it certainly could get into, um, uh, you know, 50, more than 50 points. The Packers are very interesting to me in that they're, they're 10th in projected ownership. Their total is projected at 23 and a half. But you remember the game against the Lions? Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a similar type of situation, and the Packers went nuts. Um, this could be a very interesting play here. Rodgers, Adams, and then whether you go with Allison or MBS, I think the Packers stack is very interesting. Uh, the Bears are ninth projected. When ownership. you say the Packers stack, how you see that shaking out? You're talking about like going Adams, Scantling, and Rodgers? Well, that's kind of why I named yeah. off. Like, I, I think you got to just wait and see how the health shakes out. But uh, Rodgers, Adams for sure. And then it's a matter of whether you go Allison or uh, Scantling. So mm-hmm. that that would just be a matter of price and value and 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 how you're able to build a lineup. But I think that's certainly a stack that's in play that could be low owned. The Bears, we talked about that earlier. The Trubisky, Cohen, Burton, um, you know the the Raiders uh, sixth owned. I, I know it's a lot. A lot's driven by Jordy and Bryant, but God, they could just lay an egg. Um, the Colts are fifth. It, would it shock you if the Colts score the most points this week out of anybody? No, no, they wouldn't. So it wouldn't shock me. I think me that's either. yeah. I think the Colts, uh, and that could be more of a unconventional like Luck, Mac, Ebron uh, stack. So um, you know, or even throw Hilton in there too. But you know, so those are some things that I look at uh, as far as at the top. Um, the Bucks are eighth. Their projected total is 25 and a half. Um, I could see the Bucks being disappointing this week. Yeah. If, you, if I want to go out on a limb, uh, I could see the well, Bucks. Well, the Bucks sometimes do it to themselves. I, you yeah. Know, turnovers, that's I kind of what I think. If, yeah. if it goes sideways and Winston has one of those games. Well, you know, it, it, between putting the ball on the ground or, you know, throwing picks or whatever, making bad decisions, I, you could always see the Bucks kind of self-imploding and i think that's the thing you always take into account with them too which when you go back and talk about the total and we talk about you know that number being an odd one earlier in the show it's another one well that's that's why we say the things that we say so uh so those are the final thoughts for us uh be sure to check out ryan humphrey's week seven dfs write-up as well he gives you the ratings for cash gpp for each pick it goes out in the newsletter via email but it's also projected page uh, on the line star app you can get it there to post it uh, and on the website as well. You can follow Ryan at Nitro DFS. You can follow me at Joe Pisa PS17 and Michael Rathburn at Fantasy Rath. For everybody here at Line Star App, that'll do for the pre snap. And now it's time to set down win for week eight. Thanks for listening to the pre snap podcast with Michael Rathburn and Joe Pisa Pia on the Line Star Podcast Network. Have a question? Need more advice? Join the conversation at linestarapp.com, and we'll see you back here next week. Good luck.